full disclosure, this one is pre-recorded and hopefully if the technology all works out, we are then streaming a pre-recorded workshop into the Facebook group and using that pre-recording the audio only as a podcast episode. So wherever you're watching or listening to this, thank you. Hello. <laughs> um, so yeah, so some full disclosure there. And because I always like to make sure it's super clear, I also want to say if I'm calling this a workshop or I'm calling this a training, it is not GSUSA or council affiliated. We're volunteers, we're in different councils, um, and we just want to answer some of the basic questions and kind of put the information out there um, that today we're just talking about cookie basics. And um, if you are new to Girl Scouts or new to cookies, then I think there's going to be a lot of information in here that's helpful for you. Even if you've done cookies before, hopefully there's information in here that's helpful or some clarification. Um, I mean, I think it's pretty comprehensive, but um, I'm going to hand this off to my co-presenter here today. But um, first, like, who are you? Go ahead and tell them. <laughs> I am Janelle and I have joined the team with Sarah. I'm super excited to be here. And I Girl Scout in Girl Scouts of West Central Florida down in the Tampa Bay area. Yeah. And I'm in Phoenix, Arizona, for those of you who forget. So we're both in warm places, but on opposite sides of the country. So <laughs> we're hitting all the, all the bases today. Um, okay. So like I said, we're going to talk about cookie basics and we're going to start off with um, what the heck is the cookie program? What are we even selling? Go ahead. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so the first thing you should know is that with Girl Scouts, there are two different bakers. Um, you have ABC Bakers and you have Little Brownie Bakers. And it's important to know that these are two separate companies. They have similar recipes that they use for cookies, but they're different. Okay. And they also have different names. Um, Little Brownie Baker tends to use dark chocolate. ABC tends to use milk chocolate. So sometimes when you're meeting a, a customer and they're calling, you know, cookie some one, one thing and you know it as something else, it's probably because they're used to a different baker. Um, new flavors usually are only one baker or the other. The exception to this are the Adventurefuls. Um, they are new this year and they are being created by both bakers. Um, S'mores released for the first time to both bakers same years, but they're completely different cookies. So that's something super important to know. Yeah. In it, yeah. In addition to having two different bakers, you may hear customers ask about cookie donations. So different councils have different programs that they use for cookie donations. Sometimes it's called gift of caring, cookies for the community, cookies for a cause. But basically, they represent people who purchase cookies as a donation instead of buying them for themselves. So they may do this for the military or for teachers or to first responders or hospital staff. Um, typically, there's an option to go through council if you want to find sort of your own cause to donate to, but you have to check and make sure that that's okay with your local council. Um, and the other thing you need to be sure to do is to talk to that organization to make sure they can receive the cookies. Um, usually you must submit where you are donating and get it approved by the council if you want to do this before the sales start. 
Yeah. So just to be super, super clear, there's usually two methods for donating. The council usually has organized it or you as a troop leader can organize it for where your troop wants to donate. Um, and so as Jamil was sharing, if you choose to identify your own organization or if there's something that's really important to your girls that you want to do, that's fine. You can definitely do that. And it's a great way to offload actually excess cookie inventory is to have a place to donate it, but you need to make sure that they can accept those cookies. Don't just assume. And um, usually you do need to either get that approved by council or at least submit it to council so they know, but you can take the easy street and you can still collect donations for donated cookies without having to worry about any of the inventory. Just go through your council. Um, the other thing about council specific stuff is that um, councils choose which baker they're going to use out of ABC and Little Brownie. Um, and they also set their own price per box. So um, as far as the bakers concerned, councils tend to have some kind of loyalty to keep the same baker year over year. So most of the time, um, the different areas that are used to a specific baker, they keep having cookies from the same baker year over year. But it is interesting to note that both bakers are definitely trying to get your council's business every single year. So the opposite baker is trying to convince your council to switch every year. And your council, your council cookie team has to make the decision of whether they're going to stay the same or switch it up. Um, but most of the time they have a certain level of loyalty to stay the same. But it is possible to change. Um, as far as price per box goes, this is kind of interesting because when you're newer, you may not know this, but cookie boxes don't cost the same from council to council. And it is not baker specific, it's council specific. So um, a lot of places are $5 per box at this point. I've seen even councils that were still at $4 a box, many of them raised to five this year. Some of them are $6 a box. Some of them have different prices. Some of them, um, I think, I don't know if it's changed, but I, so if you're watching this or listening to this and you're from Middle Tennessee, then go ahead and let me know. I'm pretty sure the last time I knew uh, Middle Tennessee was the lowest and it was like $3.75 per box wow. still, which is crazy to me. But if you you're in middle Tennessee, tell me if that's different. Um, but yeah, most of us are on the dollar one way or the other. It could be four, five, six. And um, that certainly makes change a lot easier. Anyways, I know I've seen a lot of you talking about this, heard a lot about this. A lot of councils are experiencing price increases for the first time this year in people's recent memory, um, or they recently did, like maybe it was last year that you had your price increase or two years ago, you had a price increase. And as a troop leader, that can feel like a lot of pressure of like, oh my gosh, our cookie prices went up. But the reality is you guys, most customers don't even notice. They don't remember how much Girl Scout cookies cost year over year, especially if you went from four to five, because five is such a round number that a lot of people thought they were five anyway. Um, and so truly you're going to notice because you're in the cookie business, um, but the customers really aren't going to notice. A lot of times, if you're brand new, a lot of times you'll hear other troop leaders making a big stink about the prices increasing. Um, the reality is it's not going to affect your cookie sale at all. And if a customer does mention that there's a price increase, first of all, 
they would mention that any year. Like, I remember when cookies were 25 cents a box or whatever, like you're going to hear that. Um, And so they would say that whether your price increased or not, they think they remember increases. Um, But the reality is if if, if a customer wants to buy to support Girl Scouts, it almost never stops them from buying. The price is almost never the reason they don't purchase. Um, And that kind of leads us into like a slightly different topic, but um, the reality is when you get an objection about the price or about the products that are available or how small the cookie boxes are, how many cookies are in a box or whatever, it's really an opportunity from a sales perspective and building that skill set. It's actually an opportunity because the reality is we're not selling cookies. We're actually selling the program. We're actually, it's the opportunity to support as a fundraiser, more or less, for a really important program for girls. So what you're actually trying to sell the customer or what the girls are actually trying to sell the customer is why it's important to support Girl Scouts. And in exchange for their tax deductible donation, they also get a box of cookies, right? So um, so that's just an important note. And you need to take time um, to sell the benefits of the program and why people should care. And as the adult, you also need to work with the girls to make sure the girls can articulate that. Um, which leads us into (laughs) why we sell. And I wanted to do kind of a brief overview of the history of this iconic tradition of Girl Scouting in the USA. Um, Girls in Girl Scouts in the USA have been selling cookies for over a hundred years. The earliest cookie sale that we know of was actually back in 1917. So just a few years after Girl Scouts was founded. Um, And already by 2022, there was a recommended recipe that was nationally published and distributed um, with recommended sale prices, which by the way, at the time, were 25 to 30 cents per dozen, which is crazy to think of. Um, and so troops were baking those cookies themselves, and then they were selling them for 100% troop profit. And so like, there were just troops, there weren't councils, we didn't have all this organizational structure. So it was just troop profit at the time. And in 1933, um, we started to see Girl Scout councils, we had more organizational structure. And so in 1933, the Greater Philadelphia Council actually had um, the largest cookie baking and sales operation yet. Um, They actually used a commercial building to do this whole operation. And they sold in store windows, they sold um, boxes of cookies. And girls were really... um, building marketing and business skills in order to raise money for their council. And so that's really where kind of the programmatic elements of marketing and business skills related to the cookie program started. And the next year, they actually took things to the next level in the Greater Philadelphia Council, and they had their first commercially baked cookie. Um, They, you know, bought a die in the shape of the trefoil, that Girl Scout logo, and um, they used the words Girl Scout cookies on the box. And um, just a few years later, in the later 1930s, more than 130 councils were holding formal council-wide cookie sales. Um, 
And then by 1948, there were 29 commercial bakers who were officially licensed. So we talked about, we have two. Um, in 1948, they had 29 officially licensed bakers baking Girl Scout cookies. And the popularity in the American public was really, really rising. In the 50s, we started to see a whole flavor lineup with multiple varieties. Um, in the late 70s, they streamlined the number of licensed bakers down to four, and those four also had consistent cookie box designs featuring pictures of girls in action. I have a co another co-host here, um, a little cat, so you're welcome. Um, Anyways, so they the four streamlined cookie box designs actually or the four bakers with the streamlined cookie box designs actually um, featured pictures of girls in action. So they were hiking and camping and canoeing. And by the 1990s, they were sort of waffling between two to three licensed bakers. So you really were starting to see this streamlining of we want this to be branded. We really want to be able to market this consistently across the country. Um, it wasn't until the early 2000s that we went down to two officially licensed bakers with brand new box designs to feel more modern. And in the 2010s, we introduced online cookie sale options. So the ability for girls to have their own website to sell cookies. So that's just a little overview of how the cookie program has evolved over time. <laughs> Yes, and I love, Sarah, that you're calling it the cookie program because sometimes people can't make the distinction between, um, you know, a sell or a fundraiser, but it is actually a cookie program. Um, and in the program, the girls learn five important skills. So you mentioned, um, you know, these marketing and business skills that they were learning early on. So as, you know, Girl Scouts started to streamline this process and really shape it around um, these opportunities for girls, they came up with these five skills that sort of happen naturally when you're planning a sale. So you have goal setting. The girls are deciding on um, what are going to be their cookie goals for the year. There's decision making that um, they learn and develop throughout this process. There's money management, people skills, and business ethics. And these are all important parts of the cookie program. So when you're thinking about selling cookies with your girls, you want to make sure that you're incorporating these five skills because they are key components. Um, and to help you do that, Girl Scouts have developed two branches of badges, the financial literacy badges and the cookie business badges. Um, there is one designed for each year of Girl Scouting. So whether your girl is in kindergarten or in 12th grade, there are um, badges for them to learn these skills. And they've also in recent year developed family pins. And this is really cool because it's a way for your girl to work with other members of her family um, out beyond the troop, outside of the troop, to just sort of fine tune, fine tune some of those skills. So, you know, again, this is a program and Girl Scouts have has created this infrastructure to make sure that, you know, it is a full program and the girls do have really great objectives. Yeah, yes, absolutely. And 
One of the big questions that you may have as a volunteer, that your customers may have, that your girls may have, is where the heck does the money go that we earn when we take the money for the sale? Where the heck does that money go? Um, And so it's really important to note that actually no portion of the cookie sale goes to GSUSA. GSUSA makes money off of the cookie sale from Um, branding and licensing with the officially licensed bakers. They don't actually make money from each individual package sold, right? Like none of that, if let's say $5, none of that $5 goes to GSUSA as a national organization. Um, So like maybe a fifth to a quarter of what you take in goes to the baker. And of course that's going to depend on which baker, which council and um, how much money your box costs, but somewhere between 20 to 26% is going to the baker, which means 74 to 80% stays local and it's distributed between the troops and council. Now your council determines how much of that profit um, actually stays with the troop and how much goes to the council. And some councils um troops earn as low as like 25 cents per box whereas other councils are closer to the one dollar mark um i believe in my council it's 90 something cents per box so i usually round up to a dollar what do you make per box we're we're between like 67 and then with certain incentives like 74 75 Yeah, I think that's Mm -hmm. super standard. I think that Mm -hmm. I'm in one of the like higher councils um, and there are definitely some councils that make a really, really low amount per box. So how much your troop actually keeps per package totally varies by council. Um, And once you subtract that out and what goes to the baker, the rest goes to council. And it's important too to, to think about the fact that before you get mad, it's important to think about the fact that cookies, yes, our cookie proceeds fund almost 100% of our troop budgets. So what we spend on activities and supplies and everything like that, our troops, almost almost 100% of our budget relies on cookie program. There's lots of other ways that you can have, have money in your troop, make money in your troop, whatever. We can talk about that other times, but, but most of the time, cookies is the bulk of it, right? Um, but for council, that's also mostly true. Um, Cookie sales can sometimes be as much as like 80% of your council's budget. Um, And that means that cookie sales fund overhead like salaries, they fund camp and facility maintenance, they fund um, technology, council-wide programming. So when people boycott cookies, like when you hear people say that, or if you hear a radio ad, or you see some blog posts going around or whatever and people are like no more girl scout cookies for whatever social justice reason they think that they're doing um it's just i just want to put it out there that directly contributes to camp closures so if you've been around for a minute if you're new if you're brand new this might be overwhelming but if you've been around for a minute and you know that girl scout camps and just youth camps closing nationwide is a huge problem because it is very expensive to maintain camp facilities and cookie sales largely fund our camps and so for people who associate girl scouts and camping like we need them to buy cookies (laughs) so on that note it's it's just essential that we remember that we as the volunteers are ambassadors not just to our customers of what girl scout cookies does for girl scouts and what girl scouts does for girls but we're also ambassadors to our larger community 
So we need to be educating people about where the money goes and why supporting Girl Scouts through the cookie program specifically is so important. Yes. And when we're thinking about what we can earn in the cookie program, um, it's important to know that we can't actually earn money as an individual. Um, I know, you know, a lot of people think that that's a thing, but it doesn't exist. Um, what Girl Scouts does provide are individual incentives. So that could look like prizes, special patches. Um, there's different types of product lineups. You know, every year there's a cookie mascot and, you know, there's all this cool swag. As girls get older, they can also choose to opt out of sort of the typical prizes and they can get an extra cent um, on the dollar. So maybe they'll get an extra four cents per box or five cents per box. Um, and as they earn money, um, as Sarah said, this money is going towards troop funds. So it's going to the troop as a whole. You can't say, um, you know, Jennifer, you know, earned this amount of money. So she has this amount of money for this trip while Becky only earned this amount. And so she has less than Jennifer. All the money goes toward the, gir the girls, um, the girls troop as a whole. Now, Jennifer can earn certain incentives and prizes and patches, maybe more than what Becky earns, but in terms of the funds, it's for the troop as a whole, which is really, you know, showing, you know, the, the beautiful nature of being part of a sisterhood, right? Like, we're all working for the whole. Yeah, and I think most of the time we hear this come up again and again, and whenever I hear these conversations or see them taking place online or anything like that about can we do it this way can't you know it's not fair that so and so sold this many and and so and so didn't participate at all and then they both get their dues paid or whatever they both get uniforms or they both get to go on this trip for free um but i think if you were to even ask the girls whether excluding a girl because she didn't participate as much in a sale felt good i think most of them would say it does not feel good so um yeah we'll touch more on that again um, in a minute too, but let's talk about how to sell cookies. And so we're going to do actually a whole separate workshop on getting creative with how to sell cookies, but let's just run through, through really briefly kind of the standard ways that everybody's sort of expected to sell or um, that most people are participating in the cookie program in this way. Um, the obvious is friends and family. You know, you're calling up grandma, asking her to buy some cookies, right? Support your kid or hopefully your kid is the one calling and asking grandma to, to buy some cookies. Um, booths are usually like that stand outside of, we typically think of outside of grocery stores, doesn't have to be a grocery store, but outside of a grocery store where you've got your little um, almost lemonade stand style setup of cookie boxes and um, girls are selling cookies to the customers of that establishment. Um, we have door-to-door -door or walkabout sales. Uh, this is not exactly the same, but I kind of lumped them together because you're walking around with cookies and selling them. Door-to-door -door is pretty obvious. You're a door-to-door -door salesman. Your girl's a door-to-door -door salesman. You have to have a girl to do this. You can't go do it as the volunteer. The girl goes door-to-door -door with an adult and asks her neighbors or any neighborhood um, during the cookie program and asks if they would like to buy cookies. Walkabouts, that is a kind of walkabout, but you can also walk about in, uh, in a neighborhood or in a busy place or whatever um, with cookies and you can sell on the go. So that's another kind of form of walkabout. Lemonade stand is actually a different 
type than a booth, even though I said booths kind of look like lemonade stands. This is a weird distinction if you're new. Um, the booth is usually going to be at a corporate location or a commercial location. Um, that's a better way to put it. At a commercial location, it's approved by council. It goes through council. It's in the cookie finder app and everything like that. You're covered by insurance. Usually you have to have two, at least two adults and two girls. Of course, ratios vary, but it's usually like kind of a more formal thing. Lemonade stand is going to be on your own personal private property. Your girl could set up, you know, a lemonade stand style booth with cookies and sell. You need to be present and an adult needs to be present, but a girl can sell kind of on her own, um, on her own personal private property or on somebody, you know,'s personal private property. And then the final really common way to sell is online. So girls in every council at this point have the option to opt in. You don't have to do it, but the option to opt in to have a um, their own personal website where friends and family around the world, definitely across the country, can um, purchase cookies to have them shipped or purchase cookies for donation. And you can share that link or promote your cookie sales online on like social media as well. Um, and councils have different rules around this, but a general really easy rule of thumb is that you can share in a personal space or on a personal account only. You should not post on like Craigslist or something like that. And mainly that's for safety. So, um, so yeah, so that's kind of some basic standard ways of how do we even sell cookies. <laughs> And when you're talking about booths, there are a couple booth basics that every new um, leader or returning leader should remember. Um, the first thing is what to take to booths. Um, so besides cookies, which if you don't know sort of how many cases of cookies to take, um, feel free to reach out to your fellow volunteers and see what um, sold well in your area last year. How many cases were they selling? Um, there's also blog posts on you know, how much to take to a booth. Um, and then what's really great about our platforms now is that they typically keep a record of previous year's sales. So you can sort of use that as a guide to how much cookies you need for each booth. Um, you always need a table, right? So you need some sort of structure to set your cookies on. Um, I like to take at least two chairs for adults. Um, your customers really want to see your girls working. So you want to make sure your girls are out, you know, in front of the booth, um, if they're able, standing, interacting with the customers. Um, with that said, you want your adults sort of in the background behind the table. So I like to take two, two chairs for adults. Um, you also want some way of storing money. So something that you can, you know, maybe a lockbox, something you can sort of transfer money in safely, but also something that you can get in and out of as you're breaking change for the girls, that sort of thing. Um, you wanna make sure if you have decoration for a booth, and we'll talk about that, um, I think later in another podcast, but um, you, know, you want to draw people's attention. And th again, this is part of the marketing um, aspect of the, the cookie program. So you're, you're looking for, you know, a tablecloth. Um, if the girls want to, you know, put, you know, flowers or whatever they want to put on their, their table to try to draw attention to it. Um, you also want to think about how you're going to track your sales. So now there are apps that girls can use either on a tablet or on the phone where they can keep track of how many cookies they're selling, what types, 
or you can just, you know, use a paper and pencil, like in a pad, like there's nothing wrong with that. So you want to, again, make sure the girls are keeping track of, you know, what cookies they're selling, how much they're taking, how much they're, you know, packing up and taking back home. Um, and then I always tell my girls to bring water because it doesn't matter if it's a booth in negative five degree weather or like we have in Florida where it's, you know, maybe 90 degrees, you always wanna make sure you have water. Um, and just think about the other environmental factors, right? Like we try to have a canopy if we don't have a shelter, um, the sun can get really hot or it could rain. So just thinking about things like that. Um, and when you're setting up a booth, you wanna make sure the girls are hands-on, you're being safe. Um, one of my fun tricks is when I'm in a grocery store or a parking lot, we'll load as many materials as we can into shopping carts and then we'll roll them up on the to our booth setting up spot. Um, and that sort of avoids us having to pull into the fire lane and having to unload there. So just being really safe about um, setting up and you know where your girls are in relation to cars. Um, and really good booth behavior is super important. You know, sometimes stories will get back to councils that girls were, you know, being obnoxious or being, you know, too silly. They're just so excited to be out there. So you want to make sure you are teaching girls best practices, um, how to handle mon money. Um, I remember when we first started selling cookies, cookies were $3.50 a box. And we had kindergartners. <laughs> Breaking change was such a pain. Um, but we had like a little cheat sheet on our table. So girls knew if someone ordered um, three boxes, how much it was, if they ordered five boxes and how to break change. So you want to teach them how to handle money. They should be handling money. Um, and then there are also alternatives to cash. So in our, our council, we're allowed to use the Clover system, um, which is basically a way to take credit cards. We can use the Square system. Um, and of course the girls have their digital website. So those are just some alternatives to, to cash that you can actually use at a booth. Um, and then you wanna make sure you're doing what you can to maximize sales. So you wanna be at your time, your slot on time. You don't wanna you know, um, arrive late. And so you cut into, um, you maybe missed out on a few sales. Um, and you really wanna encourage your girls to ask. There was a statistic a couple of years ago that for every seven ask, you get a yes. And that has been true every year I have sold Girl Scout cookies. My girls will literally tally how many ask and they're like, we're due for a yes. Um, so <laughs> encourage girls to ask um, so that they can maximize their sales. <laughs> That's so true. I love that you mentioned that specifically about they need to ask because um, when we're talking about booth basics, that is such a basic thing. And especially with shyer girls or younger girls, um, there, there is sort of an assumption that customers are going to come to you, but, um, when they're asking, and I just want to add on that, ask customers on their way out of the store. Cause yes. if you ask on the way in, you forget if you asked them already when they're Absolutely. on the way out and asking somebody twice is not a good look. No. Um, and similarly, 
if they say yes on the way in, then they have to carry the cookies around the whole time they're shopping, which it's just ask on the way out, but definitely they need to ask. I think that is a really, really, really important tip. And that's probably like my most basic tip for how to have success at a booth. I'm totally with, they need to ask. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Um, And I saw recently, I mean, we can maybe tap into this in a different context too with being creative and things but um but I think with kind of neurodivergent or um nonverbal girls asking can be um sometimes not necessarily an option and so having other jobs at the booth like restocking the table and um tallying what's sold um you know, making change. There are things that girls can do who aren't necessarily in a place, whether it's comfort or whether it's like literally a physical, whatever it is, um, (laughs) that there's also options there. They can team up with partners. And so I've seen this come up a couple of times recently in, in other Facebook groups. And I think it's a really important question to consider of how can we make sure that all girls have equal opportunity to participate. That was not on our outline. I just totally slipped that in there. So you're welcome. Um, Okay. So one of the things Jamil was mentioning is about how to plan and prepare for how much inventory to take. And um, Sherry shared a bunch of really important tips because we can't just give you a number, unfortunately. Like we're not in your area, even in your area, stores and times of day and days of the week are all going to vary. And so as a brand new person, that can be totally confusing and overwhelming. You have to talk to other people. And so um, knowing other people in your area, in your service unit or your neighborhood or your community, whatever they call them where you are. And um and and participating in Facebook groups for your area, Girl Scouting, things like that. Like it's it's important to have a network to be able to ask those questions. And also you're gonna learn by doing and then you'll just know. I will tell you that for me personally, like um I like to try to plan at a at a busier location. My my goal with any booth is to do at least a hundred boxes in two hours. Like so, just to give you at least a ballpark number of what to go off of. It's better to have more than you need than not enough. Um, and uh, I will say you have to take some things into consideration with weather. Like you don't want cookies to melt in the sun, but you don't. You also don't want them to get wet and ruined by weather, whether it's rain or snow or whatever. Um, And so depending on where you are, definitely considering weather when you're planning your inventory and by flavor is not the same. So we can go ahead and just say you could have an entire booth of just Thin Mints and Samoas, also known as Caramel Delights, and have a successful booth. Like you have to have enough Thin Mints and Samoas slash Caramel Delights. You have to have those. Um, Absolutely. And you have to have more of those than everything else. I would say for me personally, I probably bring three times as many Thin Mints and Samoas than I do of the others. Um, And uh, new cookies tend to do really well their first year because they get a lot of media and press coverage. Um, And so we always run into the situation where... um, we run out of new cookies because the they can't be made as quickly as they're being sold. And it's this whole thing. But regardless of that, whether you have the new cookie in stock or not, at the end of the day, you need Thin Mints and Samoas. So <laughs> that's what it comes down to. And even when you're short on Thin Mints or Samoas, like 
if you, if it's up to you, do not let that happen. But if it's not up to you, like I've had years where councils had a thin mint shortage or something like that. Um, and there's ways to kind of share with other troops and to kind of, again, like plug into your network and see if anybody can, can help you with some mints for your, um, for your booth. But, um, you can still have a booth without thin mints. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you that like when people come for Thin Mints and you have no Thin Mints, they're not interested in another flavor. So Thin Mints and Samoas are the way to go. <laughs> um, okay, for tracking sales. So I think having the girls track it is um, really helpful, especially with slower booths to give them something to do. In my experience at a busier booth, actually physically tallying or physically tracking while they're being sold is really hard. So what I have found to be really, really successful with actually tracking what the heck you sold is to get a really good count of what you brought. And I have the girls do this. They count by flavor at the beginning. What do we have at the beginning by flavor? And then count at the end. And again, I have the girls when we're packing up count by flavor. What do we have at the end? And then we subtract and we know that's how many we sold. Right. And then to know as far as the money goes, make sure the money matches. We count all of the money, which this is a little bit trickier. I, it's good for the girls to do this. It's good for the girls to be the ones to do this, but you obviously don't want to count money, especially we're talking like thousands of dollars a lot of times. And if you have a long booth, like if you're there for several sessions in a row and you end up having like a six hour booth, each girl switches out and things like that, you're, you're talking like a large sum of money. Okay. And so you don't want to just be counting thousands of dollars in front of the grocery store, no matter where you live, like that is just not safe. Let's think about risk here and not just safe for you and your girls. It's also a huge risk of loss. So like, don't count the money right there, but, um, but later, after the fact, keep all that money in a nice contained space. Um, Jamil mentioned a lockbox of some kind. I will add about the lockbox. Do not just leave the lockbox on the table. It is way mm -hmm. too easy to get stolen. And we hear this every year about troops that have money stolen. So either hold on to that physical box or um, an apron with pockets and you can have mm -hmm. different pockets for different bill sizes is helpful. A lot of people are using fanny packs now, um, but something that keeps the money on your physical person really helps. So normally what I will do is I put the money into um, an apron and then I roll the apron up and tie it shut. Um, but you could also put it into a money bag. And then that way, when I count it later, it's still totally contained. So then I count the money, subtract out whatever I brought with me, which by the way, as far as what to bring, I usually bring, um, I, I usually bring my cookies are, are $5 a box. Um, except for specialty flavors are six. So we have a couple of, of random one, one dollar extra one dollars hanging out but the um but the main flavor of profile is fives so i'll normally bring fifty dollars to a booth either 50 or 60 some fives mostly ones because you can always use ones you can't always use fives plus you go through fives really fast so that's normally what i bring with me so at the end I count my money, I subtract out whatever I brought with me, the 50 or the 60, and I write it down so I don't forget. But then like I do the same thing for the whole season. So it's always the same amount. But um, you subtract out what you brought with you and then you match up. Does this amount of money 
match what I think I sold and whatever extra money you have, and you have to add credit cards too, but whatever extra money you have is donations. Okay. So that's how I track my booth tracking. Now there are so many resources out there. If you want to go on Etsy or you want to search Facebook groups, and maybe at some point I'll put something together. The truth is I don't use it, but, um, but there are so many resources out there for tracking booth sales, mm-hmm. but that's how I do it. Count before count after subtract it that should be and it should match your money and um because not all of the flavors are the same price i actually used a little spreadsheet that i would create so i could just plug my numbers in just to check myself like this balances right i just need to make sure this balances but the good news is you're always going to get some donations and that's going to help you balance so that's the good news um but yes that's a brief little intro to tracking sales and earnings we could probably do an entire training just on tracking booths mm-hmm. but everybody who's new always asks how the heck do I track these sales? So um, the other big question related to that that I hear all the time is about how troops distribute sales per girl at each booth. So we mentioned that what they earn monetarily goes to the troop as a whole, but each girl still has a total cookie count of how many they sold individually. And so how do you track per girl at a booth. And everybody does this differently. Um, For me, my troop personally, we just do um, evenly across the girls who worked the booth, whatever the total amount was, if a hundred boxes were sold at the booth and there were two girls, they both get 50 boxes, right? If there were four girls at the booth, they each get 25 and it's just divided by the the total number sold by the total number of girls. And it is what it is. Um, when there's extra boxes, you know, if it's 101, then I will rotate who gets that extra box. Right. And, um, Sometimes you can, if you're really good at tracking, you can save those extras for later. And then at the end of the season, bump up the girls who are only like one or two or three boxes away from their next prize tier. Mm -hmm. But, um, but that does take a little bit of extra coordination. So I just rotate through, you know what, just rotate through even, even, even. Um, And then the other thing to kind of consider is like, if you have back-to-back booths, like I mentioned, if you were there for six hours, six hours is super long. There are troops who do that, but that's super long. I have done four though, pretty regularly where I'll stay for four hours, but the girls switch out. Um, and I do not track by hour. I do not track by shift. If a girl works all four hours, she gets credit for two, you know, for double the, the hours. But otherwise, each girl who worked the same amount of hours gets the same amount of cookies period. That's how I do it. Um, I would say it's not wrong to do it another way. It's not wrong for them to track individually. It's not wrong to do it anything like that, but I think it's more complicated mm-hmm. and I don't think we need to make it harder on ourselves. And um, also I think for me, I just never wanted to get in the drama of who worked harder at a booth. Like we're all there. We're all working. It just looks different. Sometimes somebody might be way more comfortable with asking somebody else might be really good at restocking the table, but that doesn't mean that the restocker should not get credit at the booth. Right. In my opinion. So it's not wrong, but it's just easier on you. Just divide it evenly. <laughs> so. Absolutely. Um, and with the cookie program, it's super important that we keep it girl led, right? Like we want the girls at the forefront of this program. Now, when we're talking about booths, this sort of, 
you know, feels a little bit more organic, right? The girls are doing the asking. They are front and center. Again, they're standing if possible. Um, they're handling the transaction. You have the adults there that are present. Sometimes customers will approach the adults, but it's important as a volunteer to redirect the customer to the girl, right? They are working on these five skills and it's super important for them to lead um, in their program. Um, and then, you know, the, the one thing that adults can and should do um, is to provide that safety and that guidance for girls by physically holding on to the money. Um, it's important to have at least two. I try to have three if possible, especially if I'm working a longer booth. Um, you are always going to have a girl that needs to go to the restroom, never fails. Um, and so if you need an adult to escort a girl, now you're leaving one adult at the table. So those are just things to think about. Um, and also, you know, you want the girls to be successful in their leadership. And so you really want to think about, you know, where they are. So when you have kindergartners and first graders, you know, they may start off by only doing one hour. So half a shift of a two hour booth, because that might be their comfort level. Um, and they may, um, some girls may be able to handle two hours. Some girls, as they get older, may be able to handle three hours. So in order for this to stay girl-led, you wanna make sure you know where your girls are because the last thing you wanna do is have tired girls at a booth. And then as a volunteer, have to step in and sort of run that booth. So just sort of meeting your girls, knowing your girls um, and making sure you're scheduling them for what they're capable of because we do want the girls to be successful in this program. Yeah. And in the spirit of keeping cookies girl led, there's obviously going to be a certain level of adult participation and parent participation in trying to make this cookie sale as successful as possible, especially if we're also the troop leader, because then we doubly want it to be successful, not just for our individual girl, but for the troop as a whole. We've got goals that we want to hit. And we, we, as Jamil said, we really want them to be successful. We want them to see success here. And we want to have some money to work with when it comes <laughs> to actually running the troop. So it's natural that we as the troop leader, but also parents who are not troop leaders are going to want to be involved in promoting the cookie sale. So that could look like girls, um, or uh, it could look like adults selling to their um, friends and family on social media. It could look like adults selling at work, especially with order cards, like bringing the order card to work is kind of a known sort of stereotype um, and taking orders from their coworkers. It's natural. And honestly, that's an untapped resource if you don't do it, right? But then how do we keep the girl involved in the sale and as centered in the sale as possible? It should be girl, girl involved, but even more appropriate is girl centered. So some ways would be um, like at work, what I used to do, I don't even have a daughter. Uh, a lot of you guys know that have been listening for a while, but if you're new here, hi, um, I don't have a daughter in Girl Scouts. And so I still sold at work. Um, and the main way that I would do that is I actually put up like a bulletin board of photos of all kinds of troop experiences that my girls had had that I had up next to my stacks of cookies on my desk. And I didn't draw attention to it or anything. It was just there. So when people would approach me for cookies, the girls were at the center of it. 
Um, and so that's one way. Obviously, if it's your own specific daughter that you're selling for, you could have something from her that is written or a photo or whatever. Um, she could make a sign for your desk if you're allowed to have a sign at your at your desk. I mean, not everybody's going to be able to just put up a bulletin board at their desk. I get that. I was able to. Um, but there's ways. Another thing if you, whether you can do that or not, is to have the girls do thank you cards. And then that way, and, and they do the packaging and they can have creative packaging too. They could package it up really nicely. They're the order for your coworker. So it looks like a gift that had some, some really personal thought to it. And they make an, a handmade thank you card, maybe draw something, write a little something in their own handwriting, their own drawing. And that way, when you or their parent takes that to work, it's still from the girl. It still shows this is supporting the girl. It's not just another one of those kid fundraisers that you're throwing money at, right? So that's what we're trying to avoid is we want, and we want the girls to have that experience of how can they thank your coworkers? How can they thank your friends and family that you sold to? Do they even know that you sold the cookie? Because the girl's getting credit for that box. And so she should at least know that it was sold and have something to do with building some kind of skill or something to do with that. <laughs> so, um, so yes, we know that adults, us as adults want to be involved. Parents who are not troop leaders want to be involved. That's great, but we need to make sure that the girl stays involved in the sale. Yeah, and another cool way to do this is by using a photo or video of your girl um, making her marketing pitch. So most of the online cookie digital platforms will allow you to upload a photo, allow your girl to upload a video, and again, you know, if you're taking this to coworkers, maybe your coworkers can click this link and they can actually see the ask and the pitch from your girl, which is super exciting. Um, and another cool option is to have them email thank you notes. So in our digital cookie platform, um, you have the option of, depending on which platform you use, you may have the option of, um, you know, the girl can go in and edit a thank you message um, and then it'll come through the platform from the girl, which is super cool. Um, the other thing is you can just get their email address, right? From, um, from their customer and they can email you, they can email um, the customer a quick thank you note. Um, and as the girls get older, they can get way more creative with this. You know, there's so many platforms where they can design their own really cool, you know, professional looking thank you notes. Um, and even the bakers um, on their websites have great images, um, great photos that they can use to decorate. Um, so this is a great way for the girls to really think about those people skills and those business ethics. And this is them cultivating their customer because, you know, next year they're, they're going to think, oh, wow, I got you know, I didn't just get cookies. I supported this girl and this girl learned all these great skills. And so um, just sort of adding that other layer on top is a great way to keep the program, as Sarah said, very girl-centered. Yeah. So in addition to the girl-led piece, there's another kind of whole element of business ethics for leaders. And don't worry, guys, this is the home stretch, but 
this has been <laughs> jam-packed with really good. I mean, this is like a lot of information. Um, so if you didn't know anything about cookies before, if you thought cookies were really overwhelming, hopefully by now you're like, ah, I'm getting it. I see the picture. So we talked about the five skills. One of the five skills for girls is, is business ethics. And so I want to touch on business ethics for leaders because we model the lessons that the girls are learning for better or for worse. So it's really important that we follow some fundamental ethics. And so we're going to talk about a few things about business ethics with the cookie program that we all need to consider as volunteers. So the first thing I want to talk about is ethics around boothing. Um, so when you're thinking about where to booth and, and council by council varies of how much control you have over where you booth and, and what the process is, if you identify your own place to get it approved, we're not really gonna dig into all that because it's so council specific, but um, when you're identifying a place to do a booth or a walkabout, you need to think about the fact that it needs to be in a safe location for your girls. The girls as kids need to be safe um, and need to be safe handling money, need to be safe with their inventory, and they need a good rule of thumb is they need to have access to a bathroom. If there's no bathroom that a girl can use. And so like, for example, if it's a bar where kids are not allowed in the building or on the premises, so they can't even let a kid come in to use the bathroom, don't sell there. Because if you don't have an outlet for a kid to use the bathroom, it's not a good place to sell cookies. Um, and this is also something to kind of think about when it comes to like branding optics. You guys know if you've been following me for a while that I'm not afraid of digging into the kind of hot takes of Girl Scouts. But I will say this, depending on where you live and what's legal and whatnot, dispensaries um, we've seen that girls in some councils have had really, really big success outside of dispensaries. Um, and your council is going to have their own rules and guidelines, but like a good thing for you to think about, regardless of what your council rules are, even if it's allowed there is think about the branding optics. First of all, does the girl have the ability to use the bathroom? And second of all, like, is she allowed in the building to use the bathroom? And second of all, what are the branding optics? Because if we're ambassadors to our community about Girl Scouts and what Girl Scouts does for girls, we want to think about where we are. And so I'm not for or against dispensaries in this conversation. That's not the point. Um, the point is just thinking about whether or not that is a safe and appropriate location is going to depend on your answer to those, those questions. Um, the other thing to think about with booths is that you really need to have your council's approval and council needs to know where you are. Um, there's a couple of reasons for this. One is so that you can be in the cookie finder app because there's actually an app for that for people to find booths. And if council doesn't know where you are, if it's not logged into your council system, then people can't find you and then you're missing opportunities. So like at the very least do it for that, but also for insurance coverage purposes, council needs to know where you are. So make sure that that's on file. And um, if your council, whatever your council's approval process is, your booths need to be approved. Um, the adult at the booth needs to be registered and background checked. And the ratios at your booths are gonna vary by council. I think especially in the pandemic, there's been a lot of changes to kind of what the adult to kid ratio can be. And especially by grade, I know like, even before the pandemic that changed in our council where if girls were of a certain age, you could do one-to-one -one booths and blah, blah. But again, as Jamil mentioned earlier, a good rule of thumb is to have at least two adults because what if somebody needs to go to the bathroom? What if you need to go to the bathroom? 
if you have little kids, what if a little kid needs to go to the bathroom? You're going to send them in Walmart by yourself and be like, well, good luck. <laughs> like, <laughs> I have to stay here with the cookies or do you go with her and leave another Daisy hanging out at the booth? By you can't do that. Like, so having at least two adults that are registered and background checked is a good rule of thumb at all times, if possible, um, regardless of what your council rules and regulations are still shoot for that even if your council rule is lower than that still shoot for that that's a really good reason to want to have two people um okay so another i put it under business ethics it's kind of a best practice but i'm putting it under ethics because it all comes back to our reputation as an organization and our ability to keep having these partnerships check in with the manager of the store when you arrive um this is an easy one to kind of just not do if there was a troop before you just slide in behind them like the manager probably doesn't know the difference between you and the troop before you anyway <laughs> um you had permission to be there it's scheduled by council so it's kind of like easy to not do it but guys let's just do it it's just best practices i have found that when i check in with managers they're usually shocked that i'm checking in and super flattered so i like to check in with them when i'm getting started when i first get there i make sure to double check with them where do you want our troop to be set up? Do you have any guidelines that you want us to follow? And again, a lot of times the manager's kind of taken aback and is like, I mean, usually troops set up here or I mean, wherever the other troop is, is fine. Like they'll, they might say that, but sometimes they'll be flattered that you asked and they'll say, oh, you know, I'll actually make an announcement over the loudspeaker that you're here or what time are you leaving? Like they actually do have questions for you. And if you don't give them the opportunity to ask, I mean, we'd rather them have a really good experience with us us than a mediocre one, right? And you have the ability to make that really good. Similarly, I like to take a thank you card from my girls to the manager. So usually the girls and the other adult are setting up or are unloading the car while I'm checking in with the manager. Um, and then I'll also give them a thank you card either then or when I leave, if there's no troop behind us, I'll check in again to say, hey, we're gone. Like, just want to make sure you know there's no troop there now. <laughs> um, thank you so much for the opportunity. We really appreciate it. And I'll usually do some kind of thank you card. So best practices and also protecting that Girl Scout brand. We are ambassadors of the brand. We're representing the brand when we go out in public for booths. Yes, and going along on the idea of business ethics, we need to talk about pricing. So there are some things that may seem obvious, but we just want to make sure that everyone's on the same page about. The first thing is that you cannot change the prices. So you must charge what your council says. Um, and you also have to remember that, as Sarah mentioned earlier, different councils could be selling at different price points. So don't just assume because your friend is selling cookies, um, you know, one town over at $4 a box that your cookies are $4 a box. Make sure you know how much each cookie is and that you are selling them at that price point. Um, sometimes you can see people on Amazon or eBay or stores even selling them for a markup. We are not allowed to do that. So please avoid that at all costs. Um, the other thing to note is that you cannot discount prices. So you can't say, you know, if you buy X amount of cookies or X amount of packages, I'll give it to you for this um, price point. Um, you can't discount in an effort to offload access, excess cookies, and you cannot discount and sell expired products. Okay, you should never sell expired product anyways. Um, <laughs> but that's super important because 
Um, we want to make sure, again, like Sarah said, we are representing the brand of Girl Scouts. And the last thing we want to do is to sell something that's, you know, not of quality. Um, and some councils actually have programs or incentives to encourage people to buy, you know, cookies at a certain um, level. So, you know, a couple years ago when our cookies were $4 a box, they had the, you know, if you buy five boxes of cookies for $20, you got entered into a raffle to win five cases, right? That's not you making a deal, that's you exercising a deal that your council has made. So that's different. Yeah. And you can't decide to do that. That has right. to come from council. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, you also cannot charge extra for credit card fees. So as I mentioned earlier, you know, girls can use the digital platform, which is super easy for them and their customers to utilize. Um, but you can also use, um, in our council, we have the Clover app. Um, we're allowed to use square card readers. There are fees associated with it, but it's worth doing a little bit of research because there are ways to get around those fees. So our council actually covers our Clover fees, which is awesome. Um, square card in the past, has run a promotion that if you um, sign up a new user um, for a new Square Card reader, then you and that new user will get no fees up to $1,000 worth of um, sales. And so literally in our troop, we just rotate through each parent every year signing up to sort of avoid those fees. But you cannot charge extra to cover the cost of those credit card fees. That's super important. We want to keep the boxes at the prices that the council sets. Um, in most councils, you can ask to round up to keep the change as a donation. But all donations during cookie season should go toward donated boxes. So what you want to do is you want to tally up the donations until they equal the cost of a box, then track it as a donated box. So if you get $2 for from um, one sale and $2 from another and then $1 from a third, you know, that might be the cost of a $5 box. And now that's tracked as a donated box. Some councils will allow you to accept donations directly to the troop. But best practice and sort of the most ethical thing to do is that all donations received during the cookie season actually go towards cookies. Um, and again, um, this is for sales permit purposes and nonprofit status and all that other technical businessy good stuff that you should not necessarily work, work um, worry about, but just abide by, right? Um, so yeah, so just really being aware of pricing um, and don't be tempted to cut any corners. Yeah, I think in the spirit of, and sometimes the girls will come up with this too, right? Sometimes in the spirit of trying to come up with creative marketing or whatever, mm -hmm. if we own our own business, then we can set our own prices and we decide right. how much of a hit we're willing to take. Um, in this case, we don't have that kind of flexibility. Yeah. So I think it's not crazy if you thought of that. It's not crazy if your girls thought of that. You're not a bad person for wanting to come up with creative ways to try to sell cookies, especially if you're sitting on like a ton of cases that you need to try to move. Um, but we just want to make sure, you know, ethically, you are not allowed to do that in this case. Um, 
Okay, business ethics when it comes to rewards. We've kind of talked about most of this, but um, just to reiterate, you cannot financially reward girls. So you can't pay the girls for working a cookie booth. You can't pay the girls money based on what they earn. Even if your troop disbands, you don't get to just cash out your bank account and, and give the girls the money that they earned. Like that's not a thing. Girls cannot earn money directly from cookie sales or from Girl Scouts in any capacity. Um, you also can't treat girls differently for their participation in the sale. We touched on this earlier, but the reality is there are so many reasons why some girls sell tons and other girls don't. And it's not usually because the girl doesn't want to. Okay, there's like total different support systems going on at home. And even if they're emotionally supported at home, the the fa their family may not have the bandwidth. It is a very family-oriented effort. The girls who are pounding pavement every day, going door to door with a, with a parent, um, other girls may not have an adult in their life who's available to go door to door with them every day. So it's not just a willingness thing. It's also um, just the bandwidth of their families. And also not all girls even have that support system in the first place. So we just need to kind of acknowledge even with attending booths, you know, yeah, would we love it if all the girls were ready to do as many booths as possible? Of course we would. But that requires the parent or guardian to opt into that. And, and they don't always, right? And, um, and we can't hold it against the girl because they did not have the opportunity to participate as much as another girl um, who maybe did participate a lot. Um, again, I know you're not a bad person for thinking this. It's totally normal and natural. We and, and even when you're being aware, the girl who shows up for every booth, your super seller, your top seller, the one who's always around and wants to sell tons of cookies and her family is all in. It's easy to be like, this is my favorite girl to sell cookies with because she's always available. Um, of course, you're going to think those kinds of thoughts. It's not, we're not criticizing you if you have those thoughts. Just remember that at the end of the day, you have to treat all the girls the same and whatever the troop earns for troop money, troop money is troop money and it supports the entire troop equally. Um, so one more thing to touch on with rewards. <laughs> People are really torn and divided on individual recognition. Some troops celebrate their top seller. Some troops are like, no, we never even let the girls know who is the top seller for all of the reasons I just mentioned, right? Because most of the time, yes, the girl who is the top seller probably put effort in. There are definitely times where the top seller just had parents who sold them all. That's definitely exists. It's unfortunate, but that's definitely true. Most of the time, the girl really did put in hours and hours of effort, really was very determined, really was very dedicated to her cookie sale. Um, so it's not discrediting that girl's effort, but there could have been a girl who was just as eager and willing, who is so sad and um, wishes that she participated more and she was the lowest seller and she barely sold any, or maybe she didn't participate at all because she didn't have parent or guardian approval, but she longs to be that top seller. For those reasons, some troop leaders choose not to acknowledge the top seller in any way. With that being said, the girls earn their individual badges and prizes that Jamil was talking about earlier, depending on how many cookies they sold individually. And so if you're if you're concerned about the optics of that and how you're making your girls feel and in, in, in the spirit of inclusivity and making sure everybody's included, how do you distribute those prizes without hurting feelings like that matters? Um, and so for me, my personal and, and again, there's no wrong way like you can do 
think about all of this in your head and think about what's right for your girls. Ask your girls, talk to your girls. You know your girls' individual situations better than I do as well. So you can make an educated decision about what's best for your group because you know the dynamics of your group. Um, for me, in case you want to know what I have done, my troop definitely did acknowledge the top girls and celebrated the top sellers, usually the top three, but it kind of depended on how the numbers fell of what made sense. We did acknowledge that and we did celebrate that. They were celebrated as a, a troop because they made the money for our troop that's going to fund our troop. And because they did work really hard, um, they usually got some kind of certificate or a fun patch or something like that. Um, but as for the individual prizes, some of them are very big and flashy. And so if one girl got a patch and that's it, and another girl got a stuffed animal and a laptop case and a inflatable something, whatever, like that's a huge discrepancy. So the way we worked around it is at the end of the year, we would do kind of end of year gifts with cookie because usually usually my council's cookie incentives would come in in May. And so again, that's going to vary depending on when your cookie season is and where your council is. But our incentives would come in. I would package them up in the identical gift bags with their end of year gifts. And then each girl would take an identical gift bag away from the meeting. They would get it at the end of the meeting. They did not open it at the meeting. They would take the identical gift bag home. For girls, if they earned something huge and it didn't fit, then yes, that was going to end up being obvious. But um, but that was usually not so much a surprise because that usually meant it was the top seller and we'd already acknowledged the top seller. And if everybody else in the troop got the same bag, nobody walked away with nothing. So that's kind of how we did it. Again, I'm not saying you have to do it the way I did it. Just trying to share like, here's an idea. Here's some things to think about to get the ball rolling, to get those wheels turning in your head of how can I handle rewards ethically? <laughs> I love that idea. It's brilliant. Um, <laughs> yes. Um, and then just thinking about sort of ways why, um, that we try to keep, you know, the girl program at a level um, where it's sort of equal and accessible to everyone. It's important to note that you cannot start selling cookies before the program begins. Um, councils typically will obtain city sales permits. So if you start selling cookies before um, it is allowed, not only can you get in trouble, but your council can get in trouble. Again, it's just not great optics for your council or for Girl Scouts. And again, we wanna make sure we are putting positive vibes in the community about the Girl Scout program, the Girl Scout cookie program. Um, and part of that is, you know, um, respecting authority, following rules, that sort of thing. So we want to make sure that we are selling within our permitted time. Um, remember that lemonade stands are on personal property only. So yours or someone you know with approval. So, you know, you can't just set up a lemonade stand, you know, in the middle of a, you know, whatever, um, public space. That's not considered a lemonade stand. So lemonade stands need to be on personal property only. Um, commercial property is considered a booth and you need approval from council um, to host a booth. So make sure you know your council's procedures. This is very important. And, you know, we've said this a bunch of times, probably over the past, um, you know, 40, 50, however long we've gone now, Sarah, but 
it's so long. many, so it's long. So many things vary by council. So you just have to be very careful when you're asking sort of in these larger forums and Facebook groups, sort of what should I do about this? Please be aware that it's a lot of these um, rules and regulations are set at a council level. So you really need to know what your council requires. Um, and then after the sale ends, most councils will allow you to continue selling at regular price. So until you are out of product, um, typically this is friends and family only. Um, you can't do, usually you can't do booths or walkabouts, um, but it is important to note that your full amount owed to council is still due by the deadline. So please be very aware that whatever inventory you take from your warehouse or from your, um, your main stock and you take home, you are responsible for that. Um, and you owe that money to council whether or not you choose to sell or you end up selling that inventory. So be very, very careful about what you commit to taking out because you are responsible for that amount. Um, but council typically does allow you to continue selling to make back what you lost. Um, but you want to make sure you, you check with council so that you aren't breaking any rules. But again, when you're thinking about those city sales permits, Typically, they'll say you can sell to family and friends because you aren't now in public spaces beyond that time period. Yeah. And at the end of the day, just like you said, um, it's all you just need to get your council's approval. And, and so instead of trying to fly under the radar, do it secretly. Like if you have questions, just ask your council, like yep. ask somebody council staff, somebody on the cookie team, and better to know what the rule is than to accidentally break one. And with all of this being said, if you take anything away from this cookie training, no matter how new you are, I hope it's this, stay in your lane, okay? So if you know what the rules are and you know what the unwritten rules are, right? Like what the spirit of the rules are, that's the nature of ethics, right? Like do what you know is right and show your girls what is right. And do and help them do what is right and talk to them about doing what is right. And when you see other people breaking those rules, stay out of it. Like, honestly, just stay out of it. You don't need the drama um, unless you think a girl's safety is at risk. Then you should take it to your counsel. You don't need to approach them. <laughs> That's never a good thing. It's not going to go anywhere good. It's not going to be a positive exchange. So don't worry about that. You don't need to be the cop. You don't need to be the police officer, like enforcing any of that. Go to your counsel, but only go to your counsel if a girl's safety is at risk. At the end of the day, this is a good life lesson for your girls too, which is that um, even when we do everything right, there's going to be other people who cheat. There's going to be other people who lie. There's going to be other people who steal. Um, and as long as the girl is safe, it's not your business. Like, just do what you know is right. It's not going to affect your cookie sale at the end of the day. It's not. Um, and yes, I will forever and ever say, if you see that a girl's safety is in jeopardy, then yeah, you need to tell counsel. <laughs> Definitely. Um, but don't involve store managers. Don't approach the person. Don't, don't do any of that again, because we are ambassadors of the brand. And, uh, and also we're showing our girls what to do. And you're just going to make a mountain out of a molehill that you don't need to be involved in. Um, if you feel like it's an egregious violation, 
of a rule than tell counsel, but I'm going to say most of the time it's not an egregious violation unless the girl's safety is at risk. That's my personal opinion. Um, most of the time. And also most of the time counsel slash GSUSA, they're already monitoring for violations mm. already like watching for that and enforcing things. So they really don't need you to do it for them unless a girl's safety is at risk. <laughs> Anyway, that was like a whole lot of stuff. Um, I really, really hope that this was helpful. And I mean, hopefully interesting. I think it's interesting. Um, I thought it was fun to put together. There's certainly like an endless number of things we could still talk about with handling money and parent balances. And I mean, just so, so, so much about cookies that could be talked about. Um, and we'll, we'll keep doing cookie content because there's endless Girl Scout content in general. That's why we have this podcast. And um, hopefully you guys like seeing this in video form in Facebook. I hope that that's cool. Um, we are going to do a second part of this, which is kind of the next step if you've been around for a while or if you're new, um, but how to get creative with cookie selling because far and away, that's what you all said in the poll that that's what you wanted was content about creative cookie selling. So we listened and we've been working on a cool outline for you. Um, and I'm very excited about that. It's definitely got my, I keep on saying getting my wheels turning. I've said that, if, I mean, I'm not wearing Girl Scout apparel and I'm not official. So I'll go ahead and say like, if you made that a drinking game in this workshop, then I don't even know if you're still paying attention, but um, definitely working on this workshop, the creative cookie selling workshop has gotten my wheels turning about how we can be creative. Um, and <laughs> I would be remiss not to address if you guys somehow missed this, I've been trying to talk about it a lot, but if you somehow missed this, um, we just launched troopleadertees.com. <laughs> t-shirts there's a whole bunch of really fun cookie ones on there um they are i like to say inspired by the truth leader experience see what i did there because it's the truth leader experience podcast huh um but they are not licensed they do not say girl scouts they you know we're not violating brand policies if you want official merch you got to go through girl scouts or an officially licensed vendor hopefully one day we'll be officially licensed vendors but in the meantime we're not so um we do have all kinds of cool unlicensed cookie themed shirts, sweatshirts, and t-shirts. Definitely check them out. Um, they are adult sizes only right now, but they are super soft and they are size inclusive. They go all the way up to 4X. The one I'm wearing right now is a 2X and it says best cookie season ever. And if you like this one, this is a limited edition tea. So this is one of the cool things about Troop Leader Teas that we are doing, which is that each month we are releasing a very limited edition, very limited quantities while supplies last only designs. And if you wanna make sure that you don't miss it, you can subscribe and get the monthly tea automatically sent to you for a discounted price. So if you want to check out what we have at troopleadertees.com, we're going to be adding more and more designs, but there's a bunch on there right now. And of course, a bunch of cookie themed ones. So stock up for your cookie season and um, definitely let us know if you, if you get a shirt. So hopefully this was helpful. If you have questions about cookie basics, um, 
if you're on Facebook, go ahead and comment them on this video and we'll try to get back to them. And hopefully other people will also contribute and give you their opinion as well. Um, if it's something more sensitive or personal, you can message us on Facebook and um, ask us directly and we'd be happy to work with you on it. As always, you can email us directly at girlscoutpodcast at gmail.com. I'm currently the one who's managing that inbox. So you'll get me personally. Um, and so, yeah, if you're not on Facebook, that's a good way to get a hold of us. Um, and yeah, hopefully that covers it. Anything else you can think of? No, I think that's, that's pretty thorough. <laughs> All right, great. If you are listening to this in podcast form and you are, and you have a Facebook account, but you are not in the Facebook group, you need to get in it because we're going to be doing more stuff like this. This one was not live. It was streamed but we are going to be doing live stuff in the Facebook group. Yes, I will post it to the podcast as a podcast episode, but I mean, you want to see it live and come hang out with us. So get in the Facebook group. It's facebook.com slash Girl Scout podcast. And um, other than that, just wishing everybody a super safe, healthy, and profitable cookie season. Yes. <laughs> All right, we'll talk to you guys soon. <laughs>